Do you love to love? Do you fear that if you became fully comfortable with being single, you'd become one of those people who are intolerant to someone sharing your personal space, and so you'd stay single for life, and you can't think of a worse outcome? Yeah, this podcast is for you. I'm Carmen Britlin, and I'm a neurosemantics coach, yoga, meditation teacher, and I love to love. Ever since my mum used to read me Anne of Green Gables at bedtime, I've been a romantic. This is my big leap from serial monogamous to feeling fulfilled as a single person. And so can you. It starts from shifting focus from them to you. Consider this a guide to becoming your single best self, so that when you meet someone, they're not a life raft. They're an added bonus. Welcome to the single best. I'm excited to be in your ear. Have you found yourself being breadcrumbed? Someone not willing to invest, but they're keeping you hooked by giving you just enough attention? Go on. Write a letter. But don't send it. Make it cathartic. Pour your heart out. But for God's sake, if someone rejects us, let's not blow up their phone holding a lecture on how they did you wrong. If they didn't choose us, they won't read it and suddenly think, oh, wow, is that how they feel? I must rectify this immediately. Fetch my riding boots, Jeeves. No, they weren't emotionally invested enough. Our words are not going to change their mind. You'll feel good to express ourselves, yes, but let it be for ourselves, not for them. Not to teach them a lesson or make them feel bad about what they did. Do it only for you. Write that essay of a text message but never send it. Take the high road. If I wrote one, it probably sounds something like this. It would for sure be over the top poetic and dramatic with the potential to repel the recipient. Dear sir, it doesn't feel good to be so far down your list of priorities. I take full ownership of my share of involvement in getting positioned much further down the list than I initially desired. I didn't know my worth, and therefore I couldn't state it. Instead, I showed you how to treat me on repeated occasions, and you followed my instructions clearly. So I don't blame you, but I no longer want to participate in this dance that's causing me to feel so undervalued and insignificant. So with this, I bow out and wish you all the best. If I sent this, it probably wouldn't make as much sense to the other person on the receiving end as... It does to me because these are my feelings, they're my truths. Unless we're in a relationship with someone and intend to work on it together as a team, someone who's already made a choice about not pursuing that with us doesn't need any more of our words and feelings and confessions. Just like they shouldn't have physical access to us anymore either. They already decided that we weren't for them, so why do we still entertain it? Someone rejecting us isn't an invitation to try harder. So why do so many of us fall into this? It's like a desire to be chosen that just kicks in subconsciously. I know quite a few women who settle or have settled for subpar behavior, myself included. I can only speak from my own experience here, but there is definitely a common theme or a common thread that comes up. 
I think mine's growing up in a household where I felt as though the love had to be earned. There was definitely a love there without a doubt, but it could also be withdrawn. It came with conditions. Certain behaviors weren't accepted. Full shameless expression wasn't encouraged. It was an inconsistent environment. So that inconsistency in men that I choose, it feels frustrating and painful, yes, but it also feels familiar and we're drawn to the familiar. I'm not one to blame my family. I'm fully aware that it's my responsibility alone to do the work that's required to heal any deserving patterns that may have been created based on my own experiences growing up, but I'm simply sharing this so that someone with similar tendencies might also discover the origin of theirs. Potentially. Hopefully. It's like what Oprah says, it doesn't matter what daddy did or mama didn't do, it's what you do from now on that counts. Such a true statement. When we start doing introspective work and heal some of this old programming, someone blowing hot and cold who makes us feel confused will start becoming unattractive. It may take a few goes, but it'd be like dancing with a pebble in the shoe. It doesn't feel good. There's that niggling feeling. And hopefully we'll realize that we deserve better. If we're used to settling for crumbs, though, making the choice to walk away from it can feel quite unsettling, even unsafe. We don't quite trust ourselves to make that executive decision. And when we do leave, we might revisit it a few more times just to exhaust all that's left of it. Squeeze every teeny tiny single bit of juice out of that lemon. And if we get to a point where we turn a little sour from these previous experiences and think that there are no good people out there, try and scan your mind for someone you know who is a good person. Someone you know to be loyal, kind, loving, committed. Let that person be your North Star. Let him give you hope. I noticed the other day that I was watching a ton of clips giving advice on how to say no and how to move on from something toxic, blah, 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 and how to not fall back into old patterns. And sadly, being inundated with this sort of content can create a certain mindset that might always be so healthy. It's quite a negative loop. It's like a guard comes up and we become hypervigilant to these sort of behaviors in other people. I strongly believe, and I've spoken about it before, that we attract what we are and what we focus on. So when I saw a completely unrelated video of a groom holding an emotional speech for his new bride at the wedding, that actually brought me to tears. I made sure to save that into my archives because I want more of that, please, thanks. So I'd like to watch more of those sort of clips to get into that frame of mind. I want to be reminded of what true love is not look for all the signs that show me otherwise. I want to believe. And I will believe because I know it exists. I've had it once or perhaps more than once, but one time in particular uh, that I reminisce about, I guess. My five-year marriage was based on true love. It was light. It was fun. It was exciting. It was romantic. We were each other's best friends and we fell in love at first sight. We met in January, he proposed in May, and we got married in July. Shotgun wedding. And yes, I did mess it up in the end because I had some hardwired programming that surfaced reminding me that I maybe wasn't worthy of it, so it had to be sabotaged, but 
I know what it feels like. I know what to focus on and to bring that into my life again. It's been a while, so I'm out of practice, but I refuse to let my experiences since then taint my vision. Bring me back some of that wonderful naivety that I had then. Eyes wide open and daring to trust someone completely, leading with the heart. What an amazing gift to have. And when I get so lucky that I draw that into my life again, I'll be sure to appreciate it this time and work at it. Because it's not just delivered at your doorstep and then that's it, right into the sunset. No, relationship is work. But when you find that with someone, you want to work at it and they want to work at it and it becomes teamwork, make the dream work. This is where my BFF will come in and she will say, I'm going to try and do her accent now. It wasn't a perfect marriage. You're romanticizing the good and forgetting the bad. You, oh, you used to lay awake at night, anxiously waiting for him to come home when he was out partying into the wee, na- wee hours in the morning with his phone switched on flight mode. That's not really her accent. It's not that Swedish, but yeah, she sounds a little bit like that. And um, I did forget. Thanks for the reminder there, Lynn. This is such a standard syndrome. We break up and once some time's passed and we think back on what was, all the good floats to the top and the bad sinks to the bottom. We might even think that this was the love of our lives and we need to get them back. But remember, there is always a reason for a split. And if you two really are meant to find back to each other and work it out after some time's passed, let it rest until then. Allow for that space and for that time. I was out in Canterbury doing some shopping today and I found myself getting a little agitated with people, slow walkers especially, and people coughing and sneezing out into the air. I was walking as fast as I could past this crowd of people after getting my Starbucks and as I walked up behind this woman at some speed, her boyfriend saw me coming and wrapped his arm around her, pulling her close, saying, watch out. And that little gesture right there softened me right up. I looked up at him and smiled. He had this daddy energy. He was protective, gentle and caring. All the things on my Christmas list this year. Yeah, I think I'm finally ready for the good stuff. Now, the title of this episode number six is not meant to be spiteful in any way. Let that just be said. Because if someone does act in an immature way and gives us breadcrumbs instead of committing to a full-blown relationship, we need to look at our own behavior as well. What do we let them get away with? Can they just come and go here and there, now and then, dipping in and out, thinking that we're okay with it? Then I'm sorry to say, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. Just like people show us who they are all the time, we also show people how to treat us all the time. Remember, be the vibe you want to attract. So if the vibe is committed and respectful, we need to show up like that for ourselves first. Lead by example. Not go against what we really want deep down just because we're afraid to lose out on the little we can get when we like someone. 
It's so easy to paint guys in this bad light, calling them players and narcissists, gaslighters, breadcrumbers, love bombers, ghosters, and all the other diagnoses that are being thrown around these days. But let's show a little bit more compassion. People behave the way they do for various reasons, oftentimes due to their own subconscious wiring and underlying fears of abandonment, rejection, and intimacy. It's very rarely out of malice. So let's not create a society that's condemning others like that. Let's be empathetic, just not at our own expense. So distinguishing between justifying someone's ill behaviors repeatedly and knowing when it's time to walk away if they can't meet our needs. It sounds really simple, but it it isn't that simple. And sometimes, yes, being angry at someone is great fuel for moving on. It makes it a lot easier. It just propels us forward, but it's also a low vibration. And we don't want to hang around in a state of anger for too long. It actually creates aches and pains in the body, believe it or not. Striving for acceptance is a better, but a little bit more of a difficult route to take. But once we accept something for what it is, we can finally move on from it. Okay, so he wasn't mature enough. He wasn't ready or willing for this connection. Fine, let's accept that. If it hasn't changed over the course of six months, it probably won't. So let it go. And if we can look at people coming into our lives as lessons when something doesn't work out, we accumulate all this excellent feedback for our future connections as well. What to do and what not to do. I think my life is seriously a sequence of epiphanies nowadays. I had one the other day as well. I realized right this moment, I've got no love interest left in my life. I'm still not dating anyone new. I've cut the cord on my previous situationship. And as I told you about in the episode before, my gym crush is married. Devastation. So now my eyes are on nobody but myself. And is it as terrifying as I thought it would be? No, it isn't. But what I realized is that girls always talk about boys. It's a recurring topic. And if there's no boy in my life, what is there to talk about? Love is by far the most interesting subject of all time. All cultures talk about it. Relationships, romance, sex. It matters to us humans. We're wired for connection. And I've done it for as long as I can remember, sitting and talking about boys and having a nice glass of wine or a cup of tea, connecting with my girlfriends. But it could be that it's my time not to talk so much, but listen instead. So what is the definition of a breadcrumber? It's got nothing to do with German children getting lost in the woods anyway. This is how Dr. Gemma Harris, a clinical psychologist in an article on Psych Central, defines the term. In a relationship context, breadcrumbing refers to a person who gives you just enough crumbs of attention or affection to give you hope and keep you on the hook, but it's not enough to make you feel comfortable or assured the relationship is going well. Some of the behaviors of a breadcrumber are, they flirt repeatedly, but they never ask you out. They message to say hi and offer compliments, but ignore your suggestions to meet. They leave comments on your social media, but don't respond to DMs or texts. They send memes and GIFs, but never engage in a proper conversation. Or they'll say, 
let's go for coffee, but never follow through to set a date or a place. Or they suddenly show more interest as soon as you start to back off. The article wraps up by saying several approaches can be taken if you're being breadcrumbed, but most important factor is recognizing that you've done nothing wrong and it's not your fault. Now here, I would like to challenge this by giving you the power back. You don't need to be a victim here. Yes, of course, it sucks when someone leads you on, especially when you've developed feelings for them. But as that saying goes, nobody can drive you crazy unless you give them the keys. Nobody can keep free feeding you crumbs unless you're starving. Know your worth, babe. Let's go and get some proper Christmas cake. Now, the holidays are coming up. And it's not necessarily the coolest and most fun time for us singletons. It has its challenges and some of us may have to spend it all alone. And my heart goes out to you. In Swedish, the word for single is ensamstående, which directly translates to alone standing. So indirectly here, there's an expectation to be upstanding, not laying down and surrendering all doom and gloom. Instead, we're expected to stand up straight, chin up, deal with life. What if we want to lay down for a bit when Christmas Eve rolls around and there are no presents under the tree and maybe there's no tree, nobody to cook for and nobody to cozy up on the couch with? Let's not forget those who are alone this Christmas. We should all be so lucky to have family and friends to spend it with. Let's remember to be grateful if we do. I'm going to Finland to see my dad and brothers this year. I normally spend Christmas in Norway with my sister's family, but this year I'm going to see my 90-year-old dad. It's not my favorite time of year to go there because it will be unbelievably cold and dark, but I will try to make the most of it. I'm the youngest in the family, and when I moved away from home at 17, mom and dad moved back to where they grew up, which is in the sticks. Finland's midriff, also referred to as the Bible Belt, my visit will be short and sweet. It's a three-hour flight and a four-hour train journey to get there from England. But the restaurant card on the train is the best. I'll spend the whole train journey there with a warm meal and an alcoholic beverage. I got myself an early Christmas present as well, which is a hooded winter jacket that can withstand minus 20 degrees. It's like wearing a duvet. I'm already in love with it. It'll make me happier over there for sure enhance my comfort so don't forget to gift yourself something nice if you're single you are so worth it until next time lots of self-love mm -hmm.